Hello and welcome to Sonic Talk. This is the podcast that talks about all things music, technology, music production, live, uh, software, hardware, synthesizers, drum machines, you name it. Uh, we'll talk about it or not talk about it, depending on how the topics goes. Uh, please say a big thank you to our sponsors, Isotope. They will be uh, giving away a copy of their vocal synth vocal processing plugin a bit later on in the show, probably about halfway through. The show runs to about an hour if you've not heard it before. If you like what you hear already, and uh, frankly, why wouldn't you? Uh, you can subscribe and uh, we'll, this goes out every week on Wednesday at 4pm UK time uh, directly live stream to YouTube so you can watch it live if that's what you want via sonicstate.com forward slash live I want to say hello to all the people in the chat room and nice to see them there uh, We, as well as the IRC that we have at sonicstate.com forward slash live you can also uh, check out the chat at YouTube uh, live which is uh, youtube.com slash sonicstate forward slash live and there's a, a chat room there as well so anyway want to say hello and welcome to our guests uh let's start with uh well we'll start with mr mark tinley we haven't seen him for a while mark they're adjusting his hair you've got a fairly i must say mark is it is it your shopkeeping uh tendencies that have made your hair go a bit pedestrian i'm, I'm a bit concerned that you're becoming a little too conservative mark i shaved it all off and it's just been generally kind of growing so um I haven't got time for a haircut. That's probably what it is, more than anything else. Um, that sounds like good yeah. news, so it's all going well. Well, here's how well it's going, okay? Up until today, I've been selling the odd guitar strings and kind of turning over maybe 40, 50 pounds a day, right? And just kind of pottering along, and it's all been going nice, and I've been thinking, oh, I quite like being a shopkeeper in Glastonbury, just helping out, you know, the hippies by selling them strings and just, you know, being kind of cool. Um, and uh, my wife's gone away working, so she's in London working, so I've got, like, full-on childcare duties. So I said to my son today, look, come to the shop with me, and if you come to the shop with me, I'll give you 10% of anything that I take. So he's like... Yeah, okay, cool. So today I sold a banjo, an Appalachian Mountain dulcimer, a cigar box guitar, and all the usual strings and things, and wow. drumsticks and stuff. So I've I probably turned over, um, well, I've got to give him at least 30 quid. <laughs> so, so the first time he's ever been to the shop, it suddenly just went pow. So I'm thinking, if, you know, maybe he's a lucky charm. I don't I need to lucky, take him to work every day because it's like I've probably made 10 times today what I've made on any other day since I've been open. So it's, um, yeah, extraordinary. So it did extraordinarily well today for that shop. So, yeah, it's and it's cool and it's fun. And I'm, uh, I've been finding it I, all sorts of strange synthesizer manufacturers, like kind of little... Um, what would you call cottage industry synth makers? So I've got somebody making me these really bizarre noise synths at the moment, which are in kind of gnarly wooden boxes with um, tactile controls and wooden dials and all sorts oh, of weird sort stuff. Of steam, so, steampunk style. Oh, that kind of, good. yeah, kind of. But he makes his own oscillators and he's making them out of something that they're an, they're true analog, but he's making them out of uh, something that nobody else uses, and he won't tell me what it is, but this. Uh, so it's in. I suppose I could open it up and have a look, but it's it's. Uh, I'm quite excited by that, um, and I've I've um, I'm learning to program Arduino, and I made a a really crunchy, nasty eight-bit synthesizer from an Arduino. What's the smallest one called? Nano. Yeah, which is basically a Nano with a MIDI in socket and an audio out socket, and that's about it. And some code, and it's got like a low-pass filter and some. Uh, uh, wave tables in it and stuff so that's quite good fun so yeah it's all good fun all of it great i'm glad to hear yeah. it mark um and well and i will nip over to the other side of the other side of uh, rich is not on the east coast this time he's on the west coast mr rich hilton on tour with uh, the traveling disco chic band uh, uh, in in a hotel with what looks like pretty decent bandwidth. I guess you're in California. You'd expect that, really, wouldn't you? How are you, Rich, and how's it going? Um, well, thank you, and it's going really well. Good. Playing tonight or playing la played last night? Uh, playing tonight here in Paso Robles, California. 
Okay, and uh, is that a, and that's at the county? Is it the county fair? Did you say the uh, Cal? I believe it's the Mid-State California State Fair. In other words, this is pretty much equidistant from Los Angeles and San Francisco, somewhere along the California near the California coast, and uh, it's beautiful, beautiful country. If you like peaceful, and uh, very much looking forward to tonight's show. The tour has been fantastic. Great. Well, I'm glad to hear that, Rich. Um, so I guess we should crack on. Um, we didn't do this last week, but there has been another in the series. So I guess we should play it. And this is actually quite a big reveal. I mean, that's, that's really got sort of Oberheim me and, and, and a Juno, but kind of somewhere between the two, which is actually really, really nice. Um, even for myself, who likes to do more experimental type stuff um, in sound design, sound design textures and stuff, it seems to be able to handle that extremely well. Um, and musical stuff, obviously, it excels at that. It's got such an organic kind of sound to it. I'm always looking for something that's got a bit of interest, you know, that kind of makes you want to sort of start writing something. Always a good sign. I mean, that's what you want. That's what you want from a polysynth, isn't it? That's exactly the kind of sounds that you want. This is definitely very impressive, um, right off the bat, yeah. I played the whole thing there because I'm playing for time, because it seems like uh, Sonic has uh, decided to... Uh, just to go offline while <laughs> while we're doing the podcast. So if you've got the page open now, don't reload it. Um, I'm just working on getting the server rebooted. Sorry about that, folks. So, uh, yeah, that's the news of the the Berger synth, which I think that's volume four of the teasers. 12 voice analog poly, that's got to be something to uh, shout about, right? I don't know, Rich, I know you're not keen on commenting on things you have that haven't been released, I'm glad, but knowing what we know about them generally and uh 12 voice analog is that's a that's a, a, a an ambitious an ambitious number of voices i guess knowing that uh, uh that uh knowing that behringer often go for the lowest possible price Are you excited sure at all i'm always amused when somebody refers to something full of oscillators and filters as organic um huh but anyway uh yeah sure Great. Dave Smith did this. We didn't devote five shows to it, but yeah. I haven't devoted five shows to this. <laughs> I think that's unfair. At this point, I think this they is the owe second. me one. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, we we mentioned it, uh, I think, first or first teaser or whatever, but that, that uh, divulgence of that uh, information seems to be a bit of a major one. I know, Mark, have you got any, uh, got any thoughts? Is this something that you would uh, consider yourself? I mean, I know you're not necessarily into large format instruments, but uh, I thought it was worth mentioning. Sounded it. nice. Sounded really nice. Um, especially as it's coming over the old Skype bandwidth. It sounded, I don't know, I could hear something in it. I, I like the fact that it could do the kind of JX-y kind of, stringy thing and it could do the property kind of bellsy sort of thing and um the price will be the 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 deciding factor i think if it's if it's in behringer's usual price range although i know they're trying to move away from that but if it's in the sort of a, the budget end of the market and it sounds like that then it will be an absolute winner if it costs as much as a profit 12 or a profit what are they called? Fives or whatever the numbers are on those. Profit profits. Six, yeah. six. Yeah, that one. I think I'd buy one of those instead, actually, personally. But we'll have to see. No, that's, a fair, yeah. that's a fair call. Yeah, I, we, we will indeed have to say. See, even. Right. I. Um, well, anyway, 
I imagine there's more to come, uh, but I, I mean, I don't know what else you can say after they've revealed that it's 12 voices. I'm not sure. I guess we should know how much it is and what the name is. And I think the how much is going to be the real clincher. Obviously, people, there's speculations going from under a thousand bucks to under two thousand bucks. But, you know, so that's a pretty wide range of, uh, yeah. of possibilities. Hey, maybe, um, okay. maybe I can open a trade account with them then, and then I can um, I can have them in my shop. <laughs> Well, there, there you go. That's, That's entirely possible. I guess I don't know what one, that isn't it. <laughs> I'd imagine you might have to take an enormous amount of other Behringer stock for that to happen. But uh, I don't think my uh, shop's big happened. enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, perhaps not. Okay, right. Well, uh, let's get on to a second, uh, a second topic. Oh, yeah, I like the look of this. Actually, this was re- this just sounded. I thought this sounded awesome. This is the, uh, now what are they called? Endangered Audio Research SpectraVibe, which I think is a combination of distortion, filter, and univibe type of sound. And it's just got the mini log going through, which I must admit, it makes it sound really, really, really nice. Nice and warm and lots of crow. This is almost getting into the territory of the sort of stock you'd have in your shop. There's a whole bunch of different sound. Let me see if I can fast forward it to some other sounds because there's some really nice. Let's see, there's a few more examples. Obviously, it goes quite fast. Not sure about that one. That sounds a bit random. Oh, hold on, I'm just trying to switch this one out. Uh, Mark, I'm get, I, that sounded, I don't know, it sounded pretty nice to me. Apparently you can get these uh, via SpectraVibe but, uh, pre-order, but the, I think the first lot has sold out. I'm not terribly surprised because it's definitely uh, did sound pretty nice. What did you think? Yeah, I like that sound. There's so much stuff, isn't there? I mean, it's overwhelming, the amount of analogue synths or kind of clever digital small format things and add-ons and stuff. I mean, it's like we've just got this... I don't know, in the last sort of five years, I think the whole market's just been saturated by lots and lots and lots of different people doing lots of very similar things. So how do you choose? How would you choose between that and something similar, I suppose? That's where, where what I would have uh, to well, decide. What is, I guess. Uh, what, is, what is similar? I don't know what's similar to that because I hadn't seen something that combined all of those things into sort of one pedal, as far as I could tell. I don't know. I, I can't answer is... that. I just, I just noticed Oops, that I've got, the one I want. you know, where I was, Excuse me. Where, where I'd been in software and and uh, plugins for so long, I've kind of come out of that because I'm looking for physical things to sell. And there just seems to be so many different things like this, different, you know, that like the, I never realized how big the guitar pedal market is. I mean, there's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different guitar pedals now that I, you know, it's it's all new to me because I've been in the software world for so long, I suppose. Um, yes, I suppose. No, that's a very good point. I mean, and that's, I think, something that, so there's a whole new load of discovery for this kind of thing. But I, I just for, saw for this. real this one, physical things, yeah, that do things. Yeah. yeah. I think this was posted on uh, Matrix Sense where I first saw it. Rich, I, I remember it used to be that, what was the pedal that everybody used to put keyboards through? Was it the Mutron? That because Stevie Wonder used it and everybody they sold. I don't know who made that, but I remember trying it and it definitely had a really lovely sound to it. Mutronics made it. Mutronics, the one to get yeah. right on a keyboard. Sorry, I've interrupted completely. But the don't thing worry. that you can nearly almost never get right on a keyboard is the distortion aspect of it. So there's not very many things that make that distort things that make keyboards sound better, in my opinion. Um, so it's kind of cool that it does. It makes it like more gnarly and more yeah. Uh, I'm guessing it gritty, must be, but it does it in the right way without getting uh, too. Uh, if it gets too dirty, then you lose any kind of focus on what any of the notes are doing. If that makes sense, and but this do- didn't seem to do that. The the focus on what was being played was still there, but the tone of the distortion was kind of nice. So. I'm wondering whether it has it's built for, for sort of line level rather than instrument uh, guitar level, or whether oh. there's a switch on it. But uh, I know. Um, so, Rich, are you are you fond of the odd pedal, or are you kind of uh, 
for, for putting keyboards in? I mean, I, I'm not sure. We might have had this conversation relatively recently, but as I said, it's summer. <laughs> well, I haven't used pedals in a long time, but this thing really did look and sound very good and seemed to have a lot of very uh, good-sounding modulation capabilities. Um, and behind an instrument like the Mini Log, it looks like it'd be a really useful thing to have. Um, it goes beyond your typical chorus flange. It uh, does seem to thicken things up nicely and make a good tone out of it. And I agree with Mark about the overdriving aspects, although fair to say that quite a few recent synths, particularly the Arturia ones, offer a lot of overdrive within their signal paths, which add to their versatility and their fat sound quite a bit. Um, but this thing really looks, I mean, if one was looking for something to do these things, this thing looks like a really excellent candidate. I didn't get a sense of the price, but I'm sure it's not too bad. Um, I can tell you that. It was uh, it was available for pre-order uh, up until very recently for £184. And I'm not actually totally sure where they're based, whether they're US or UK. Let me see. It may be that they're... Uh, Asheville again. <laughs> it's that the home like of Asheville, where everybody. I mean, the fact yeah, that so you can probably... the fact that you can use it as a ring mod and then use your synth to control the ring mod. I think it's clever. So you could split the patch in your synth, so you could actually integrate it in. I mean, if you sent, <clears throat> if you say, if you created a synth patch where you sent something off to the left and something off to the right, and then kind of integrated it, does it work like that? Um, that's so a good you can question. use the mod input to sync the ring mod. So if right, you're able to that. sync the ring mod with the synth, that means you could program the synth and integrate it into the synth, if that makes sense. I see what you mean. I'm just waiting for this. Uh, there looks like a little carousel here. I'm waiting for it to, to flip round to the next image, which might be the back panel. Let's see. I mean, what would be clever no. would be to integrate it with your patches and then to use the ring mod as a part of patches on it especially on a synth that didn't have a ring modulator it would it could, yeah it doesn't look like you can get a, a, a close-up on that i can't speed i think there is uh looks like there's controls for speed and depth mm. there so yeah maybe that would work but nice i just thought i and the de the whole demo is well worth listening to it really there's some lovely sounds on there and it does sort of make make just make it sound more better even without any of the effect they're, they're just driving it and they're changing the bias which i'm guessing is like some sort of a tilt filter which just it just sounds really really good it, it's interesting though another one uh, another one in Asheville, um which is uh, you know obviously where the home of moog and what's the other one portland oregon is another sort of hotbed of of this kind of thing and i don't know is there some kind of um financial sex zoning or planning where you know that particular uh, uh state is is, has got funding for these kind of startups or something, or is it just a, 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 a uh, uh, an accident of um, geography? Well, I don't know the exact, I don't know the, the, the situations with regard to tax advantages, but both of them are in very, very popular cities that are very nice and uh, in states that generally seem to be really cool places to live if you don't want to live in one of the major New York, Chicago Los Angeles, ah, you know, right. um, there are states in the United States that have much more finan uh, uh, financial benefits for businesses and such. But I don't know that anybody's actually investing in this kind of development at the state level. I think it has more to do with states that have uh, tax advantages for businesses that are starting up, perhaps uh, income tax laws state income tax laws that are very generous or perhaps not you don't have to pay any i do know of a number of major corporations who are moving to texas these days because the tax advantages are fantastic and the uh, there is no state income tax um because wow. in this country quite often you pay income tax to both the federal government and the state government one of the uh, right. one of the aspects of having 50 states within one sort of umbrella government um and among, those, yeah, I can among those moving to Texas is Toyota, who have moved their pretty much entire corporate operation to Plano, Texas. And I was there not too long ago talking to people from Toyota about how and why that happens. So I don't really know about Asheville and Portland, except that they're both really nice kind of uh, arts-friendly environments in the U.S. that are slightly outside of the major cities, but still sort of major cities a little bit smaller of their own. 
Right. I got gotcha. you. Another one of those, uh, by done... the way, would be Ithaca, New York, which is right near where Robert Moog invented the Moog synthesizer and uh, is an even smaller city, but has a lot of those same sort of artistic uh, advantages, if not the tax advantages. Ah, okay. Well, that's interesting. I just found the, 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 the sale page on Reverb.com. Uh, it's sold out. Maybe you'd like one of these. So, yeah, it w- uh, and that's gone down a bit. So I'm guessing the exchange rate has changed. So this must be against the U. So 183.97 would have got you it, but um, sadly uh, no longer because it's been... I'm just trying to see if I can... No, I can't see unless that picture. Oh, yeah, there we go. So we can see that speed, depth, uh, input. Oh, I can't see. Mod, modulation in output and input. So, yeah, it's got quite a lot of connectivity. Anyway, I thought that was kind of fun because I just liked the, uh, I just thought it, it was, it sounded so good. And you just yeah. don't often hear things where you just go, oh, that's really special. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of the Minilog anyway, so throwing that in there it just kind of made it brought it to life a, a bit more if that's a if that's a possible thing um i guess it might be a good time to uh, have a word from uh, our sponsors let's let's run that ad this is isotopes vocal synth multiple module plugin for processing vocals harmonization with the polyvox vocoder of course two kinds of vocoders really because we've also got CompuVox which is more of I guess it's like your Sennheiser Kraftwerk type sound and the TalkBox as well if you want to check this out of course uh, Isotope do offer uh, 10 day free demos uh, just go to isotope.com forward slash vocal synth And, of course, we do have uh, a competition uh, this week. Uh, we had one last week, and I want to announce the winner of that. Uh, last week, which was episode 456, uh, where which was, we were talking about Ampex tape and stuff as well, uh, we asked you to tweet the hashtag I'm Robot and Vocal Synth, uh, and we got a sorry an entry from someone called at Daiku1. That's their Twitter handle, at Daiku1. That's D-A-I-K-U-1. And they said, please, Isotope, I could really use this in a new creative way combined with my guitar work, which sounds like a pretty uh, a pretty reasonable reason to win it. So, uh, well, congratulations, you have won it. And, of course, we do have uh, another op- uh, opportunity to win that this week. Uh, all you got to do is uh, you get on Twitter and you tweet out the hashtag voice machine. The hashtag voice machine, that's one word on the hashtag vocal synth. That's one word to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. So that's the hashtag voice machine, the hashtag vocal synth, that's one word as well, to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. And if you enter, uh, we will uh, announce the winner next show. Actually, there is no show next week, I should mention, having a week out. So, uh, so it'll be a couple of weeks' time. But uh, good luck. And don't forget to get in touch if that was you as the winner. Right, um, let's see. Help. Help, what's the matter, Mark? I just what? went in the what chat happened? room and somebody said, Mark, you have dreamy eyes. You're like a... Ooh. And then they said, you're like a puppy. I say. <laughs> Woof. I don't want any of that. I, we don't want any of that stuff going oh, on here. This strange, is the technorotica. I'm, I'm, I'm flattered, <laughs> but scared. <laughs> let's hope it's a man. Yeah. Uh, well, either way, it's nice to be nice to be liked, whichever way around it is. Right. So um, let's get on to, we've got another topic here. This is, ah, oh, yeah, I like this. The one take Rico Loop video. This must have been, I wonder how many takes this took. Rico Loop, very famous, uh, or European looper, did a lot of work with the Boss RC series. You see them at trade shows. I think this is actually in Berlin. So he's mobile and doing it live with a mic. Must have a battery pack in there. Right back. And this whole se- this whole sequence is just beautifully choreographed and takes quite a long time to get going. But he just- I'll see if I fast forward it a bit because there's some really. There's some great moments. So the whole thing is this sort of one shot where he just ends up. He's got a, he has got a great sense of rhythm. This guy. 
And on we go, and on we go, until finally... I think he picks up a bottle, yeah, he picks up various props on the way. I keep thinking he looks like a bus conductor with that, an old-fashioned bus conductor. (laughs) But it's a great video. Uh, what, what's really weird about that video is, you know, you're kind of thinking, wow, all of those people around him must be, but they can't hear, obviously, what he's got in his headphones. They're only hearing the thing that he's doing at the time. So to them, he probably seems like an absolute nutter. I know, Rich, have you ever, uh, have you ever seen Rico Loop in the Flesh? He's probably done festival tours as well. I mean, he, it's entirely possible you might have crossed paths, but uh, again, maybe not. Well, I can't say for sure if it was this guy or not, but we recently played a festival in France where the act that went on before, we were actually the headliner at this jazz festival in Vienna. And the guy who went on before us was apparently a prodigy of, or had been discovered by Quincy Jones. And he was a young man, about 18 years old, who was extraordinarily talented on a whole range of instruments, including keyboards, drum kits, various percussion items, um, I don't recall. He had guitars and basses on at various points. And his entire show is performed live, creating these kinds of looping environments. And I don't recall for sure whether or not there were backing tracks to which he was doing that on occasion or not. But he could layer up. He also sang amazingly well. And uh, he could layer up some really, really interesting stuff pretty quickly. And For me, it was a very, very interesting thing to see because as a concert experience, it's a little bit like sitting in a recording studio and watching somebody create, which is very different from typically what happens in a concert. And because there's no live interaction between him and anything except what he's just recorded, a lot of the weight of attention is focused entirely on him throughout the entire performance so as a live performance vehicle i thought it was interesting and perhaps difficult to sustain over a long period of time even though he was absolutely brilliant at it and incredibly gifted and a nice kid but i can't say That's whether true. it was this guy or not i know this guy's a bit older than that and he's uh, but what's really uh I agree with that. That there's there's a real art to being able to because uh, you have to build it from scratch, assuming you don't have any pre-made loops that you're going to yeah. build on top of, and therefore the audience has to wait. So you end up with a very different dynamic. It's absolutely true. And we've spoken to a number of loopers. We had uh, uh, I think Susie Conrad in here. Obviously, we did that interview with uh, Rachel Claudio, who's brilliant, and she tends to try and start with a basis and kind of perform those things that she's made live so there is interactivity but it's a it's a kind of different dynamic and she said very much it's like well people don't want to sit me well, don't want to sit there and watch me layer up 12 vocals to get that lovely harmony section you know they just want me to cut to it or you know maybe i'll do something over the top of it and that it, it does introduce a very different dynamic but i mean looping in general i mean it's it's really there's there's a whole bunch of artists who are doing it now i mean obviously they're not always doing it from scratch i don't know have you seen uh, first of all Mark, what did you think of this have you seen rico loop before i haven't seen rico loop before what I thought of it was I was watching it and I was thinking, this is quite interesting. And then about two minutes in, I recognized that this guy moves like Gaz, Gaz Williams. He's got similar kind of walk and body language and everything. And I thought, <laughs> I thought, actually, you know what? Gaz thinks in that way as well. And I could see Gaz doing something like this as well. So I, it reminded me a lot of him, um, the whole layering things and the way the guy was thinking about where he's putting things in the music and all that sort of stuff out so um because i think gas does something similar with sampleism i'm almost certain actually uh, uh yes it. i think so, he has done looping stuff yeah and it is a strange thing isn't it i was watching the people around him's reactions to him so he kind of wanders up and does this kind of wiggle in front of this girl and something on that what was that what are those things called the reed harmonica blowing um, hum, harmony, harmony uh, yeah. oh, melodica. Uh, melodica melodica yeah so he does something on that and she's kind of looking at him like what on earth are you doing and he does a little wiggle and wanders off and stuff so um yeah inter- i mean i saw i'm going to jump to the other end of it nothing to do with this guy i saw another guy uh called noisy parrot who's a busker who has like a right. bloody great big 15 inch speaker 
uh, and then a couple of some other speakers and a load of car batteries or something and this thing that he wheels around on a trolley and that's got two Korg um, I was going to say chaosolators but they're not there's a chaos pad version sampler thing chaos chaos pad pro yeah, yeah I think that's the full, so he looks stuff great, up that thing, and he he creates completely from scratch so it's got traffic noise and everything in it which I think is really clever um, and then he he has a DJ mixer in the middle and he flips back and forth between the two machines and switches all the loops in and out and just does these performances. And that's where I think it gets clever when somebody, as they're constructing, they're already thinking about how they're going to get to the chorus or the middle eight and how they're going to change the key in the, for the middle eight or how they're going to change the feel or whatever. So they're layering, they're layering things they can use later and then switching it back into a whole different kind of you know he he gets to the middle and changes the whole sound and it's like I, i'm looking at him thinking why on earth did you do that but then i'm also tracking some of the things he he did and thinking oh i see how you got where i i hear all the elements that went in earlier on but you've put them together in a different way i didn't notice yeah. this guy did that this guy just carried on adding and adding and adding and adding and adding and adding and adding until it well he did check he did he took things out as well i think that uh, he was using a he was using the Boss RC505, which has a five-channel stereo looper, I think. Right. But it, again, it comes up. I, I wonder, you know, there, there's an element of this thing. When you see people do that, it's like, it feels like there's just this direct connection. It's idea, music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the gap, the distance is this big between, you know, the idea and because most of it's like a lot of it's beatboxed or just found things or whatever. It happens so quickly. And that, the, 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 the idea happens so quickly, I suppose, rather than the construction. in it, aren't they? And they do yeah. it all day long and they're practiced and accomplished in it and they make it look unbelievably easy. And whenever I try doing it, I'm rubbish at it, if I'm honest. It's like, <laughs> I think, oh, I could Have be one tried? of those cool looping guys. I've tried doing it with Ableton and I've tried doing it with, I mean, Gaz told me to try the loop. There is a looper in Ableton as well, I think, which you can click in and out. Never really got it to work. I did do it years ago in the 80s. I had this thing called a Powertran MCS1 and we used to loop stuff up yeah. and the cool thing about that was you could turn the pitch up and down so i would sing something into it and then slow it right down then layer like loads of harmonies and build it back ah, up i see yeah yeah i think you could do a lot of that stuff with the boss because the boss has got loads of effect rich have you ever tried the looping thing i mean because it is it's very much it's a sort of sense of wonder isn't it when you see somebody do this and you go wow that's amazing i mean and you think you know obviously you're a great player and so you know you think your your path to music you know out of your brain would be quite short i mean have you ever tried this sort of thing thought you know in a in a as a guilty secret when no one's looking see if you could pull something together quickly i mean i it, I find it, I find it quite fascinating that it, it, it's not as easy as it looks, is it? I don't think. I'm sure it's not, but no, I haven't tried it. I do see it being used quite often on uh, small gig levels. Like I have a friend uh, in Florida who's a fantastic guitarist whose work I tend to participate on, and he gigs with a looper pedal, and will quite often record a whole rhythm guitar track into the looper and hit go and then be soloing over it. It's very seamless in the way he operates it. So I see quite a lot of that. It's, it, as I said, the most interesting aspects to this are to what extent in our current culture it represents a live performance in terms of the way an audience participates with the creator uh, yeah, doing yeah. it. I see. And simultaneous to that, I also noticed that there's a lot more headphone culture than there's ever been. I guess people have been walking the streets with headphones on for as long as there have been things called Walkmans and all of the descendant yeah. devices since then. But I don't think there's ever been a time where more people are walking around oblivious to the sounds around them than there is now. And I see quite a bit of it, especially more and more with young people. And so this sort of fits into that cultural shift that I perceive to be going on where the whole headphone, you know, walking around the world with headphones on culture seems to grow into this simultaneous looping thing and you get very talented people. This guy's obviously very talented. Um, but no, in short, I haven't tried it. Ah, okay. Well, I, I, if you're interested in more of this stuff, obviously Beardy Man is one of the kind of 
probably at the pinnacle of this. I mean, with his iPad set. I mean, we did a great, Gaz filmed a great piece with him uh, when he played in Bath, I think, uh, last year uh, uh, in the autumn. And if you check that out on the site, just look for The Beardy Man. It's on YouTube. It's a great, and you get an insight of how he does it. And he, but I have a feeling that he is one of those people that, would probably casually toss into a conversation, oh, yeah, I've got a photographic memory, you know. So, I mean, it's just his ability to kind of just remember stuff and do it and and, and do it spontaneously is is astonishing. Anyway, that was uh, Rico Loop, and he was using, again, the Boss RC505, which I think is uh, Boss's current looper, and I think it's had a firmware update, so it allows you to add various different uh, aspects to it. I think I was having a chat with Gaz a, a couple of weeks ago about this and thinking about, you know, that might actually be something quite good to use with modular stuff. And in fact, I think... Uh, James Bernard has been putting together uh, various different uh, ambient sort of sets and stuff with with modular and that. So you create a texture, loop it, go on, make a new sound at it. And that, I don't know what that's like to watch live, but the sum of the parts is obviously good fun and it's a quite a quick way of multi-tracking. But anyway, let's uh, let's get on to uh, this topic. What's this one? Oh yeah. This is the massive sound toy sale. Now, this was this got brought up a couple of times. They've extended it through August. I know a lot of people like the sound toys plugins, and they're doing like fifty percent off uh, all of their cracking uh, plugins. And also, they've got they got a fifty percent off bundle. You can buy the entire thing; it was hundred bucks off. So you get all eighteen sound toys plugins for three nine nine. And Rich, I'm fairly sure we've talked to you about sound toy stuff. You, do you use some of this their stuff in your uh, in your setup? Yes, absolutely. And uh, as a disclaimer, I should say that I've been testing for them for decades now so they're friends ah okay they're friends of mine and there is a bias here uh i quite love them as people and i quite love their products which is how it all began anyway back when they were wave mechanics in the uh, 90s and uh i use their stuff a lot and it's fantastic stuff and a bunch of it does things that i don't know any other way to do um, and then even the things that do stuff that you can do other ways tend to do them in really, really cool ways and have amazing feature sets that allow you to go much deeper. I recently saw one of their um, promotional videos where somebody was doing sort of dance work and using the effects rack to modify these various loops um, that they had been working on and were able to get stunning levels of realism and, and creative uh, mod- modification going just within the plugins themselves. But even just using Echo Boy as a standard Echo. Yeah, that seems that seems to be the one, doesn't it? Everybody, and that, if I'm right, does that model various different types of classic echoes? Is that the is that the basic principle? Of that? Yeah, but yeah, typically I just put it up in tape mode and use it on a lead vocal. I mean, I tend to use it as an emulation for a tape machine that would once have done this, and even just doing that with it, uh, it sounds fantastic and offers a lot more versatility. Um, there are other ways to do it. I think Waves' H-Delay is, uh, gets close on some of that stuff uh, regarding Echo Boy. But there's nothing out there like their crystallizer. And there's very – the Tremolator, you might be able to get other ways of doing it. But Tremolator is a fantastic uh, device what's, as well. What, uh, what's, the, what's the CPU hit like? Not terrible. Not terrible. I mean, I can't, you know – be more specific than that, but not terrible. No. They've got a, a plug-in that models an Altec tube mixer called Radiator that is absolutely one of my favorite Mojo plugins, which is to say a plugin that is a tonal sort of supplementation rather than some sort of great big swooping oh, modifier. Guy, yeah. Radiator is fantastic. And uh, they have one called wow. Decapitator, which is a distortion unit that's really, really incredibly versatile and very cool and emulates the sounds of various vintage gear being overdriven. And uh, they're just really, really good guys who make really, really good products. And I really like supporting people like that. Well, I think that's fair dues. And it looks like you can, the radio is currently 99 bucks as opposed to, oh, it's, uh, what's that, does that say 99? No, no, it's fifty nine from one hundred and twenty nine. That's pretty. That seems like a bit of a steal. Oh yeah. Uh, well worth it. Mark, Mark, have you checked out their stuff? I mean, it's, uh, it, I know, I know, I've, I've, Robbie, I know, is a real fan of theirs and stuff as well. Well, now Rich has mentioned that it's wave mechanics. Then yes, but <laughs> many moons ago. <clears throat> um, yeah, I remember the wave. Didn't they do like some kind of tape emulator thing that made um, 
was it that was it those guys, Rich? The the um the green coloured plug in wow. that made it actually sound like it had been recorded on two inch tape. Was it that one? No. No, I think you're thinking Wait, of McDS uh, uh, analog channel, but uh, which is oh maybe. I mean, I'm amused by the fact that I'm amused by the fact that they've uh, emulated the prime time. That is definitely amusing because I love things with weird numbers and uh, the whole prime time thing was that the delays were only prime numbers, wasn't it, if I remember rightly? So I wonder if they've stuck to that principle and only put prime number delays in or if they've put all the ones in between. Um, and I clicked on Echo Boy as we were just talking and noticed that all of those things in that picture are things which I've had and used in the past. Um, Deluxe Memory Man is by far my favourite delay ever, which I had as a foot pedal, the Electro Harmonics um, Memory Man with the modulation. And the Line 6 uh, version of the Memory Man's pretty good, and it sort of does what I vaguely remember my Memory Man did. It uh, doesn't quite crack, it uh, doesn't quite uh, break out in distortion on the when you turn the feedback up full in quite the same way as the pedal did, but it's still good. Um, so, I don't know, maybe I'd, as an alternative, if this one breaks up in a really kind of nasty way, maybe I should go and download this demo and see if I like them. It says, try it oh, free. Yeah. So maybe I should. Yeah, no doubt. <clears throat> well, it brings me to an, another question, really, which is kind of, obviously, all these fantastic little kind of, because, you know, people are mentoring in the chat room, UVI, Ohmforce, you know, all these kind of great sounding kind of tonal things that have this sort of secret mojo or just do things other ones don't. And we still haven't got to the position where, you know, somebody could just make a piece of hardware that you could load these things yeah, in yeah, and yeah, not yeah, actually yeah. have to have a well i mean well they have but it's not something that's ever really kind of caught the mainstream oh, obviously there have been goes it but something where you could just go here it is dial the program in bang hit it, it and that's what it is so it's a studio rack effects and, and you make mean like it, the v you know, machine which was that vst plug well like player. the v machine and also like I, i'm trying to remember <clears> the name of the other guys um, muse try, oh, receptor were, muse muse receptor which did really well but didn't quite ever get big enough to uh, to kind of be the ipso de you know facto what? standard for this kind of thing. What I've noticed more than anything else is we, all of us, us guys, live in a world where we uh, have embodied computers and we understand how they work and we're kind of in this whole plug-in world. Most people our age aren't and are scared of computers and don't know anything about them. So most of the people my age who come into my shop go, I say, you can, you know, you can do that all with a computer. You just need to get the VST plug-in that goes this. They glaze over and go, oh, man, don't talk to me about computers. I don't know anything about them. And then they bring out some ancient Nokia phone, and I'm sort of like going, well, you can do it on an <laughs> iPhone. And they go, no, I've only got this, and I don't really know how to text on it. So I think, I think um, as musicians, we're probably quite unusual in our, in our kind of cross-talent uh, thing. I don't know how to quite yeah, say that. Yeah, maybe so. And that most musicians would love to have something with one or two knobs on it that they could do all these things, but then it was accessible because it's accessibility is it, and making it accessible for people who do understand how to plug a jack socket into one side and into another and have two dials and they and they can see that one says tone and the other one says time or something. I mean. Uh, I do think yeah. that anything that could simplify the interface and uh, make it accessible for people, I think be, that's part of the problem. A huge but seller, that, it would be. But that is but that, but that is part of the problem. I mean, to run something that is a host with all of these kind of capabilities, because you know, if you're going to do it, people are going, "Oh, well, I'd like to be able to chain maybe four or five up, and then, oh yeah, this works with that." I, well, I don't know, Richard. Are you are you aware? Of, sorry, I was going to say some, some would, but I actually think that there's a lot of people out there that don't want to do that. And they just want one thing that does one thing. So the out of all the customers come in to my shop, the, the most asked for thing is, have you got a chorus pedal? And I'm like, well, you can do chorus <laughs> with this, or you can do chorus with this. I've got this Dave Smith black box thing here that you can do it without all this line six thing. And they're all like, no, no, I don't want any of that. Have you got a chorus pedal? And it's just like, whoa, okay. Uh, so I've, I've had to order some in, but it seems like a backward step to me, uh, but it's not for them. Yeah. But if you had this, you know, a VST plug-in running thing, maybe I could configure it for people and go, 
there's a chorus pedal that one's and you know because remember yeah, can you yeah, remember the, the sampler we had on here a while ago that was based on a raspberry pi so you basically yeah. and it was in a cigar box or something wasn't it or a very simple box. yeah i think you so. plug it in it boots the code you plug in a midi and you've got a piano so it 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 and, there, and the yeah i mean it's, is, it's the hard drive for the code was locked or coffee protected. Drive, yeah. yeah so you just yeah. give them a locked system and go this is it yeah turn that knob and you get depth turn that knob and you get rate but actually it's based on a computer and if you're bored of your um and actually i was just going to say the zoom have got a pedal that does this haven't they so when the person gets well, bored of it they come back the next week and you could reprogram it for them i suppose but yeah I don't know, Rich. I mean, you know, we've seen people try it. You know, there's the Tone Print stuff. There's the TC Helicon stuff. There's the Line 6 attempts. Uh, but nobody's really now. They all want to tie it to their own format. There's very little kind of seems motivation to just make something that will just run and people can do it very easily. Go, I, so, I want that now. OK, that's the input knob. That's the output. Let's mm. go. It's funny. I, I, I wonder why, really, because we've got this huge resource of stuff. I guess it just becomes complicated to authorize things, to install them if you're not using an actual computer front end. Well, first of all, Mark's point about the consumer level is really, really well taken. And um, it's an interesting trend because basically people just still want a Roland Boss chorus pedal that just does that. And next to it, they want a yeah. Roland delay pedal or somebody else's delay pedal. And even though there's this myriad of um, small companies now making pedals, is big business these days. Pedals is huge. And, yeah. and having little building block stuff, kind of like that cord thing, um, where you're assembling your own effects chain seems to be more attractive to some of those people than buying this big boss thing with or or whoever, line six thing with like six switches on it and the ability to do a thousand different kinds of digital effects. And there's there's a market for that too, and there are those guys too. And that also falls into sort of the looper discussion we were just talking about before. But as a social trend, what's interesting to me is simultaneous to the guys who want nothing more than a chorus pedal is the proliferation of modular gear coming out of decades of just simplifying things under one interface and storing everything digitally. And now we've got guys buying these expansive um, Eurorack systems where they can customize yeah. every <clears throat> single aspect of it. They can even build their own in some cases. And there's this mm -hmm. sort of interesting simultaneous cultural <clears throat> shift that includes that as well as the guy who may or may not be my age who wants a chorus pedal and nothing more than a chorus pedal and not some programmable thing that could become a chorus pedal or a delay or a distortion or anything else. It just, they want one thing with two knobs on it that does one thing for them. And um, it is, I, interesting to me. I think the closest we've probably got uh, is iOS, isn't it? The where things, in fact, there's a topic coming up, which we might do next, actually, which is, you know, it's... Uh, because people are used to having a phone about the place or an iPod or an iPad or something. And that's about as close as we got. But still that, again, it's another it's another platform. And some of, some of these things are so great and you just can't get them on iOS. You know, like say the Sound Toys range or, you know, the UVI range or whatever. And it is a bit of a shame. Anyway, shall we go one, on to... Uh, let, let's just, one more point sorry. about Sound Toys and trends in general is that they've now integrated everything they make into single interface form called the effects rack that allows you to take all of their products and line them up in different ways within the effects rack and create macro patches that include all of these things and are savable and recallable in any of the DAWs that you choose to use at the time or probably in some cases even in a standalone desktop format. And this all sort of descends on some level from the wave shell concept that waves introduced decades ago. And uh, yeah. a lot of companies are doing that as well. They're making their stuff available to a, another level of macro creation where you can use combinations of things and store it as a single effect sound or what have you. And uh, Sound Toys' uh, implementation of the effects rack has really helped to streamline the use of their devices in multiple configurations as, as a storable event. 
Huh. I'll have to check that out. I mean, I guess I'm just because I'm I'm not using so much in the box now, and I I like I've I've mentioned before, you know, when I do sessions now, I tend to show up and I try and use the native things in any DAW, so that if there's not a B system which has all of the T, all of the UA stuff or all of this or all of that, it will still run. And you yeah, know, that, that's just the that's way I tend really to try and sensible thing to do. Actually, I kind of would go that way myself now as well. <clears throat> yeah. Um, okay, right, let's get on to this one. This is kind of interesting because it sort of fooled me a little bit. This is what I thought was actually a new Yamaha keyboard. This is the MX49 and 61, which is now available in a couple of different colours. And has some new voices. And it's actually class compliant, which I think it always has been. And you get this FM essential. I won't play the whole thing, but I was thinking, oh, because I got a press release saying, hey, we're announcing a new synth tomorrow. And I was like, oh, wow. And then I started look, and I put it into the show notes and then I started researching it. It was like, wait a minute, this isn't a new synth at all. It's, ex- it's the same synth that was released in 2013, which, okay, is not a bad thing. And I think it uses the same AWM2 synth engine um, or a derivative of that, which actually I think Yamaha have been sort of rather overlooked at the power of that. It's an immensely powerful system. But the other thing that was kind of cool about this was, uh, this uh, essential FM patch, which uh, 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 iOS device, which when you hook it up, you can interface directly with it. You can hook it over USB. Um, uh, but this ra- raised a few questions. Uh, one, uh, I don't know, Rich, if you've been aware of the MX range because it's a derivative of the Motif engine. You know, it's this, it's sort of ongoing. But I, I look back and it was released in, I think it was two thousand and twelve. Was was a I found a, a kind of this is coming a sort of teasing a new synth so it's you know it's a good five years old, but nonetheless it's still you know a lot of these things are re- they generally are very very powerful little workstations I had the same thing as the uh, with I was looking back at a Juno Di review yesterday and I thought wow that was actually really good you know and, it, and that's discontinued and sometimes these things do slip under the radar I mean it is amazing that you can get that kind of power I don't did you get a chance to check out the uh, FM side of this I guess you've been on in bed or or, or gigging oh you're muted no I, I actually a- didn't get a chance to check this thing out I got about as far as the topic before this in my preparation, it's, you know, eight in the morning when we started here. Yeah, um, no, that's understandable. <laughs> but um, yeah. the demos sound good. I don't see, I haven't seen anybody using them at the gigs that I do, but that doesn't mean nobody's using them. It's just at the gigs that I do. Um, I suppose that people probably could and should, and they're probably really cost-effective, versatile products. I've had a sort of a lifelong difficulty with the wonkiness of Yamaha operating systems and operating their instruments. Even when they sound great, I find them cumbersome. And I think that just has more to do with my experience and not having been exposed to somebody who's really good at it who could show me around. Um, and their demo sounds a little bit like Avicii in a box, which is fine. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Because people yeah. love that. Then they love those kinds of sounds, and if those sounds are available in the instruments, I'm sure they're very popular for that. Um, but I don't really have a lot to say in terms of opinions about it because I haven't used it. Well, maybe uh, what I'm going to do is I'll play the uh, I'll play the, uh, the 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 FM Essentials part of this because I, I was really impressed with some of these sounds. This is the uh, video, the promo video for that. Uh, okay. I think, uh, or is it? No, that looks like it's not actually. I'm so not that's probably. No, that's a wrong video. I haven't got that. Let me see. I can probably bring it up on uh, on the browser. Let me see. That was po- that's entirely possible. So if I just plug me uh, sound in. So this is uh, Mark. Did you have anything to say about? I mean, these, this kind of workstation approach. Do I have anything to you know, say I about? I mean, some it? of these. Well, some, well, yeah. Um, it looks like a DX7 on steroids a bit, doesn't it? So I feel like uh, I'm left with a very small window to do things with, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah, I know what you're saying. And in this day and age, we've got so much access to so many, you know, very visual ways of doing things that I would feel um, uh, not, this doesn't look like a 2016 synthesizer to me. But then again, 
uh, it kind of sounds like one. So uh, the reverbs on it are nice. And one thing that all-in-one things tend not to have going for them is they tend to have a pretty not great reverb on board. Um, uh, the demo, the reverbs on the demo sounded all right. I wonder, um, actually, I, I can't remember that the, they have a specific <coughs> synth engine. I think it's oh, VCM, I think, is what they use. or v, v, I think VCM is the, the kind of effects that they have. I think Roland's Cosm and Yamaha's VCM. So I'm guessing it might be that. I have found now the uh, the video for the FM Essential, which is, again, an, another kind of one of those astonishing kind of scenarios where it's on your phone. This guy starts making a sound on it. I think this is a four operator. But some of the sounds in here I thought were really impressive, actually. So I guess he's controlling this because it is class compliant with the uh, MX. Oh, I'll stop that actually because uh, that's quite loud. But that looked kind of cool. I like the fact that, that that you can access this and 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 those are sort of FM sounds that I haven't actually. They sound like new FM sounds. They yeah. sound like sounds that have been programmed now rather than here's the electric piano, here's the log drum, here's the marimba. And I think that's probably a good thing. And it looks like the interface has a little bit more potential to go on. And that, <laughs> I mean, I know that's something that we've been sort of. As many people have said, FM is such a powerful synthesis system, but it's so hard. What if to we use. take what if we take a sample and feed it in one side of an FM system and another sample and feed it in the other side? Or in you know, instead of having sine waves for operators, we could put samples in all of those. That that's, that's an interesting I idea. I mean, possibly that's what's going on. But I mean, that would create some really interesting sounds. I'd, um, but not with a tiny. Inter- I think it's a cop out. I mean, I can see that you can use it with your phone and you can use that as an interface for it or maybe an iPad or something. But I I couldn't think of this as a standalone system with that tiny, tiny little two line LCD on it. It's just a cop out. It needs a big, ah, it needs okay. a bigger screen to work with. If you're going to, this is the MX you're it? talking yeah. about. Yeah. Especially if it's, I mean, that's what we are talking about, isn't it? And I know you're talking yeah, about yeah, absolutely. MX, BK, I take your point. It's, it's not quite everything, is it? It's like, and if it's claiming to be everything, then it ought to be. Yeah, I think that's a very valid point. But anyway, it's a sort of re-release uh, in blue and black uh, with some new voices, and I, it, it fooled me because I, they didn't keep the, uh, they didn't put the uh, details unless you downloaded the PDF from the press site. So I feel, I feel a bit duped. But it made me kind of reevaluate a little bit because I went back and I looked at, you know, because a lot of these keyboards. I remember when I reviewed the Juno Di, for instance, I thought it was going to be a nightmare and awful and actually it was really good you know for the money i i should add you know it's not signature sounds how much does this cost st- the mx how much are they oh yeah yamaha mx i think it's probably about uh, 500 mx 49 let's have a look i should have looked this up but there's one thing i lacked yeah 446 for the 49 okay that's so very that, reasonable that's not that's pretty reasonable, isn't it? And again, you get the AWM two, and I think there is an editor. There was an editor for one of the moxes I did, and the depth is crazy. I mean, you got sixteen part multi timbre. I think that you can have up to eight oscillators per voice. I mean, it's really, really crazy stuff. I mean, in terms of resources, it may be cut down a little bit on this version. I'd have to check the exact spec, but I obviously haven't. So, apologies. I imagine a boardroom meeting where somebody says, "I wanted to work on these too," and you know they managed to make some really nice integration that allows you to use your existing hardware devices, even if it's just an iPhone, um, with their hardware device to expand the capabilities and make it cooler. So yeah, yeah. I kind of get where they're coming from. And at that price point, there's a lot of capability available. And I understand Mark's concern about display size because I quite often feel that way about uh, and I, I mean, I wonder. This this raises the question to me: is how? I mean, how 
what sort of CPU and ASIC and all of the things that you have in a dedicated hardware keyboard, what power does that have that perhaps, you know, is an iPhone 6 got more than that or an iPad Pro got more than that Go and must do? I mean, there must be a point at which you could actually go, well, yeah, you could actually just stick it on an iOS device and it would be way more powerful or might have access to more samples or access to a better interface. I mean, it's an interesting but, thought that it might not be necessary. Yeah. Two things about that is uh, are that, first of all, people seem to want self-contained hardware devices that do a lot of stuff. And mm-hmm. so... And, and corollary to that is there's not a whole lot of money in, ex- in releasing your entire instrument as an iOS app. No, well, that's true. Apple gets the cash, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, that is a very valid point. I mean, where's the incentive? Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Right. <laughs> if I mean, you I have stay in business. tons of great music apps on all my iOS devices, and I have to say I hardly use them. I use them some, and I'm sure there are people who use them all the time. But... I think, yeah. by and large, in the current culture, people like having hardware devices. They like touching things, having knobs to turn, having things to do, yeah. pitch wheels, you know. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, the things and XY controllers and, you know, yeah. joysticks. And people like having that stuff right now. Hardware is very, very popular. The words hardware That's and true. analog are like at the top of the, you know, list of fashionable things these days and the idea that you can do it in software and that it might not be analog is mm. yeah and bib says in the chat room i want an instrument that keeps go that doesn't keep popping up uh sms <laughs> which is a very valid point it's easy to be distracted as well when you're multi your, your device is i want i want yeah. an instrument that doesn't want me to upgrade it every time i turn it on and then when yeah, i switch I it on that. and i think oh all right then i'll upgrade it it then says Sorry, I can't run on your operating system. You need to upgrade your operating system. And then I think, oh, God, okay, fine, I'll upgrade that. And then the operating system says, sorry, I can't run on your computer. You've got to buy a new computer. And it's just, yeah, right. You just think, I just wasted three hours of my life upgrading everything with, I wish they'd told me that first, you know, or uh, yeah. that's happened to me a number of times. Be. And, and then you've gone like yeah. all this hardware. Do you know what I bought at the weekend, actually? I bought an Do iMac. Tell. An iMac and the uh, the latest operating system that it can run is operating system 10.7, which is Lion. And I went, I don't want to do that though, because I want access to Rosetta. So I put 10.6 on it. And I'm looking at 10.6 and I'm thinking, wow, how come there's so much more information on the screen? And I think computing's come down this kind of like, we've got to make it run as a flash thing. And actually, we've got these huge screens and Let's make everything really big and put really big buttons on everything. And then people will buy bigger and bigger screens or whatever. Or, or, or so that you can use it with a touch interface and then touch that screen. They have to make things big enough for our big fat fingers as human beings. <laughs> but I actually, I think 10.6 was kind of the pinnacle of the Mac operating system. It just looks nicer. And the layout of information is more clear for me anyway. So I... I'm kind of like having a weird revelation where I've gone like I've bought this second-hand computer for 50 quid and I can do all this stuff on it. It's, isn't that cool? Like burning DVDs. Try doing that on a Mac <laughs> Mini. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good point. It's sort of, you know, and I think the thing is that's often you, by the time you get to think, I wonder what it was like, it's so far away from where you are now that your familiarity with the, that is, is less likely mm. to be... Uh, yeah, no, that's a that's a good point. Well, I think um, this is probably a good time to uh, say goodbye. I'm actually going to scarper out of the office. I'm going fly fishing this evening, and I'm hoping that I'm actually going to catch something. This is my this is only the second time I've ever been. Wow! And I I, I my brother bought me a. a, a a, a tutorial afternoon on how to do it and i bought some very cheap equipment so i'm now going to go and see if i can catch a fish this afternoon this evening and it doesn't look it looks like the wind's dropped and the sun is out so you're going to eat it afterwards. that's what i'm do i don't know whether i'm going to keep i don't i think i'll throw it back this time i just because i don't know what i'm doing i need to be a bit more mentally prepared for the actual possibility of eating something <laughs> that i catch or even catching it i mean if i catch three maybe i'll keep one of them i don't know this is all news and i'm not sure i've got the right equipment to actually you know just need deal a very with sharp that. knife 
Yeah, I haven't got one of those with me, right. Mark, actually. But maybe next time I will, depending. But I'm looking forward to it. So anyway, but but thank you for the advice. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to do this afternoon and, uh, well, this evening. So thank you very much, everybody, for watching. That's been Sonic Talk uh, 457. I did try and think that there was some kind of number uh, thing, and I got confused with Ampe between Ampex Tape and the Magnum Handgun, which I think is 357, neither of which Ampex we did last week. Magnum's probably not really appropriate for music technology, unless we're talking about maybe Layla Schifrin and the soundtrack to the Dirty Harry movies. That could have been an angle, but it's too late now because the show's over. <laughs> but if you like what you saw, um, then remember there's no show next week, uh, but do subscribe. We put videos up on Sonic State all the time, so there'll be a whole bunch of other things coming. Uh, just to remind you before we go, if if you want to enter the isotope competition, isotope competition, I should say, you could tweet the hashtag voice machine and the hashtag vocal synth to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. That's voice machine, one word, and vocal synth, one word, at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. And we'll pick a winner next time. But now I'll just say goodbye to our guests. Thank you very much, Mark, for joining us. Uh, I hope your shop uh, season continues to be great. You have many more of those best day evers yeah well if they continue to improve maybe i'll i can branch out and move to a larger premises so, uh, Woo, i can get more than exciting. three people in my shop at once five people came in the other day and it was like oh god can't move <laughs> so it, believe me when i say it's a very small shop but it will yeah it would be great if it expands it's it, i'm having more fun in there than i've had in years so oh, that's well, the important thing yeah that certainly is yeah, well, thanks thank for joining you. us, Mark, yeah, I you. must say, and uh, uh, I'm glad to see it's going well. And also, Rich, uh, thank you also for, for getting out of bed early when I'm sure you're tired and probably have other things to do, like go for a walk in the lovely holiday resort and, you know, whatever it is. But thank you for joining us, Rich, and I hope you have a great gig tonight as well. Well, thanks for having me, and I wish you good luck with your uh, hardware-driven analog fishing experience. Thank you. I will. I've got to learn how to cast the, the, the line first. But So that's it for this week. Thank you very much, everybody, for watching. Uh, we'll see you next time.